Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. We couldn't do these without the incredible support of our sponsors, and we want to take a moment to say thank you to all of them. First, thanks to our diamond sponsor, Varsity Brands, including BSN, Varsity Spirit, and Herf Jones. Varsity Brands, elevating student experiences in sport, spirit, and achievement. We also want to say thank you to our platinum sponsors, including Ephesus Lighting, innovating a brighter future at every level. Camp Mobile, where leaders communicate better. Hometown Ticketing, simple and easy online ticketing. Vital Signs, bring student achievements to life. And Gipper, sports graphics made incredibly simple. Thanks to all of our great sponsors. Welcome back everyone to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. Our guest today is Brandon Clark. Brandon is a certified athletic administrator and he's the district athletic and activities director at Nixa Public Schools in Nixa, Missouri. This is actually our second visit to uh, Nixa High School. Uh, Brandon, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, appreciate you having me on today. Uh, well, uh, we hear great things about you and uh, about your program, so we wanted to get you on and give you a chance to tell us what's going on um, in the Midwest. So let's go and jump right in. Uh, we always like to let our listeners have a chance to get to know our guests. So tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, uh, where you went to school and college, and maybe how your love of sports led to this career in athletic administration. Yeah, um, grew up in the area, in the Springfield area here in Southwest Missouri. Um, you know, went to high school in the area, played sports, three sports all my life. Um, uh, unfortunately for me, injuries ended my career uh, at college. Uh, so, so I didn't get to finish out playing sports in college, but ended up graduating from Missouri State University in Springfield. And, and then I've worked through, I'm, I'm just about finished with my doctorate from the University of Missouri. So that's kind of my educational background, but I coached football, basketball, and baseball, was heavily involved playing and coaching those uh, throughout my life. And, and uh, but yeah, that's kind of, this is my 14th year as an athletic administrator. I've been at two different school districts. This is my eighth year in Nixa. You know, I always like to hear the, uh, the stories. And for me, you know, my career, I've been all over the country, including uh, a couple of really fun years in Missouri where I coached and taught at Missouri Valley College. So still have a lot of friends there, uh, some friends down the Springfield area. So it's just cool to, to hear all the stories. We'll talk about, um, you know, those uh, early years, maybe that transition from college, those, those first jobs and, uh, and maybe how that uh, led to your first position as an AD. Yeah, so I first got in when I knew I wanted to be a teacher. One of the things that really enticed me into the profession is I wanted to coach. You know, you know, my desire to coach the sports, always had a passion to work with kids. That's always been there. You know, that's something, uh, you know, you know, through our church and other things that I've done. I've always worked with kids. So I just have always had a passion to teach kids. And so sports was a great way to do it. I taught math for five years um, in in 
in the Springfield School District loved it. I, I teased that I got it. I, I more or less got tricked out of coaching. And what had happened was in Springfield, there was a new administrative position that came along and it was working with at-risk students. It was an assistant principal role working with at-risk students. So again, my passion for kids. So I jumped into that role. And after I took the position, they told me I couldn't coach anymore. And so, so it really left a hole there for me. But, but I knew my wife is a very wise person. She goes, hey, they're offering you the opportunity to move into administration. That may not come back around again. You know, so so I went ahead and laid it down. They gave me they they told me this in July after I I had accepted the position in July. So I had about 24 hours to decide if I was going to coach anymore or not. You know, of course that you know it left a big hole there, and 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 because I love the sports. I mean, I I I was the I say workaholic. My wife called called herself a football widow during football season because I would spend hours upon hours, you know, working up at the field house and, you know, cause I just loved it. It wasn't a grind for me. It was a joy. It was a passion to do those things. And so, um, so I did that job for two years and kind of out of the blue, a position at another high school within the same district came up and it was athletic director and assistant principal position. And they called me out of the blue and kind of recruited me to that position. Honestly, to that point, I hadn't really thought about that as an outlet for that athletic hole that had been left in me. And, and it quickly became when I accepted how much I loved it. I mean, just still to this day, you know, uh, you know, 14 years later, how much I love this job. And I always tell my wife, I said, as soon as I uh, start not enjoying it, you need to tell me, you know, and, 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 and today I just love it. My assistant AD, I think who you've talked to Marion house, she knows, mm -hmm. she knows how much I love it. And I, you know, you know, that's what allows me to work 50 and 60 hour work weeks and go to all these games and events at night because I enjoy seeing our kids perform. Now I can uh, really relate to that um, as a, um, um, longtime coach, you know, um, when I was, a uh, approached by our school to become our dean of students, uh, I said, okay, I'll do it as long as I can stay as on as a head football coach. And I did that for two years, just really enjoyed it, you know, working with those kids that you get to work with as a dean. Um, but then I was approached by another school about becoming just their athletic director. And what I found was that I liked being a dean, but I loved being an athletic director. So I can certainly uh, relate to that. Um, Share a little bit about, uh, you know, those first weeks or months uh, when you became that director of athletics, you know, what were some things that, you know, you were prepared for? What were maybe one or two things that uh, maybe surprised you about the job? <laughs> well, uh, I've heard a lot of AD say this. I was in the same boat where, where, where I felt like I was drowning the first, you know, couple of weeks, months, because it, it is such an overwhelming job right off the bat because there's so many things going on. You know, I took it over in July as I walked into that position. Of course, you're trying to get all your fall sports and activities out the door and going and then also comply with all your state bylaws for, you know, for our Missouri State High School Activities Association. There's a lot of things that just, it's kind of like drinking from a fire hydrant. And so the best thing that I did is I connected with another AD at our sister school within the district, and he was phenomenal. Uh, his name's John Ewing. He's now retired, and he was at Glendale High School, and he uh, actually happened to be a former teacher of mine when I was in high school, and so he knew me prior to that. So we connected, and and uh, developed a friendship there. And he he was someone I called 
daily, if not two or three times a day. And just having that connection to someone who's been there and done it uh, takes a ton of pressure off. You know, I, I tell ADs here in Missouri, especially when they're new, do not try and go at this alone. It doesn't matter if you're at a small school, a big school, if you're physically isolated from other schools, you got to find that network of ADs that you can call. And a lot of times that can be done within your own conference. And that's, and that's what I've experienced too, is that uh, in my conference now, we've got 10 ADs in our conference and we text and email daily. You know, if you got a quick question, we put it out to our ADs and they feed us information and help us, you know, navigate whatever we're trying to do. So developing that network is what's going to help, you know, and that's what helped me um, navigate that. And I, you know, I, I teased myself, but I didn't realize how ignorant I was of the things I didn't know about this job, you know, several years removed. Obviously, I laugh now at some of the decisions I may have made or how I attacked a few problems or, or, or organized things. But, uh, but yeah, having those people in your life to help mentor you and guide you is an absolute must. Let's, uh, let's go and talk a little bit about that mentoring. In our business, we always talk about the importance of leadership and, and especially mentoring. So who are some of your mentors, uh, either coaches or teachers you might have had growing up or people that you've worked with or worked for? Uh, the expression I always like to use is I still hear those voices in my head. So whose voice do you still hear? Oh, I do. Probably, probably my strong, you know, I, again, I, uh, I, I tease myself that I have Alzheimer's. So I, I think back through, I had some great coaches uh, all throughout youth sports and high school sports and people that I, you know, you know, fall back on. But probably the one that I really learned a lot from was Mark Fisher. He was our district athletic director in Springfield and he's retired now. He went and was the uh, athletic director at Drew University in Springfield for a few years after he retired from Springfield. And I still to this day talk to him and, and he was probably the biggest influence over me. Um, you know, you know, obviously, you know, he, his, his strength, I mean, of course he knew his job, but the things that he was the best at is he knew how to deal with people relationally. He built a large network of people that he knew. He, he, he knew how to treat people with respect. He, he just had all this down and, and it was just something you could sit back and watch him network with people, his own colleagues and be able to get things done, but then work with an upset parent. And he had a way of just soothing them to sleep and getting them to get on the train with what they're trying to do, even when they may not have agreed with how we were approaching something, when it was kind of an agree to disagree situation, they, you know, parents had a hard time walking away upset because he treated them with respect. You know, he, he tried to build a relationship with them. He didn't treat them like a number. And so those are things that I took away still, still to this day that Mark never knew a stranger. That was, that was a thing, you know, he could walk into any room and people knew him. You know, and that, that and it wasn't because he was popular necessarily because he, he, he just built a relationship everywhere he went. He tried, he tried to make a connection with anybody he could. Uh, that uh, uh, those type of people, you know, as we come across them in our lives, you know, they are, you know, so very important and, and have a big impact on us. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, your relationship with your state association and with NIAAA. Uh, we have a lot of younger ADs that listen to us. And I think it's important to kind of share the journey that we all get on. So share a little bit about how you got involved with your state association and then how that led to, uh, you know, your LTI courses and your CAA. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, I saw the first couple of years, I'll be honest, I wasn't overly involved, not because I didn't care, but just because I was so overwhelmed with trying to 
learned the job that, you know, I, I really didn't pay much attention to our Missouri associate, you know, our, in, in terms of getting involved with our MIAAA here and our NIAAA, even though I was members, I just, you know, I didn't, I didn't attend the state conference for the first couple of years just because I was so busy in the spring and felt I needed to be here. But what I found out as I got involved, and again, it took another AD pulling me along say, hey, you need to be involved in this. Hey, you need to be a part of this. And that's and that's what we try and do here for our new ADs and even ADs that have been around for a while is getting them, you know, pulling them along, get them to come with you and start that networking process. But I started just by coming. Um, and then after I tended to, I had a passion for it. So so I became our Southwest Missouri district representative for the MIAAA and did that for a couple of years and, and, and made a ton of work. A positive relationships, got to know people from across the state there. And then that um, pushed me really hard into taking my LTC courses because I took a few to start. And what I started to realize, especially with LTC, and I'm still, um, I'm, I'm about to finish up with my CMAA, hopefully here in the next couple of months, just got to finish up my project for that. But even with that, I'm still going to take LTC courses because it's that, um, something that the people that have been in my life have always been lifelong learners. And the worst thing that, that you can do is get stale. So I, I subscribe to the philosophy that you're either growing or dying. You can't just stay the same. And so for me, part of that growing process is going to these classes and, and learning as much as possible. Even though I'm taking all the required courses I need to take, my assistant and I, we're still taking courses. We're signing up for courses and taking you know, you know, the, the, uh, the web-based ones with the NIAAA in the spring and fall. We're doing stuff in the summer. You know, when we go to conferences, we're trying to take at least one every time we go. And again, it's more for our own benefit and there's always something we can pull away, you know, you know, to bring back every time I've gone to a conference, I've gone to a webinar or, or taken an LTC course has always been something I've been able to pull back, back and apply. So I've, I've really view, viewed those as very valuable. And now I'm starting to teach those same courses. So, so I took the LTC, I think it's 790 course, and now I'm starting to teach those. So I'm teaching a class at our spring 80 conference uh, here in April and, and want to start giving some of that back. But that then led, so doing all that led to now I was our um, vendors coordinator for our state conference for a couple of years and did that. And, and that's quite a daunting task if, if anyone's ever done that for their state athletic conference and, and love that. And then uh, when a position opened up as treasurer, they asked me to step into that role. And so I'm actually doing that now for our board of directors for the MIAAA. And, and then because of those there, then I got on the NIAAA and now I'm at committee. So I'm involved with the NIAAA in that sense. And and I'll tell you there, just the networks that we have formed there, I've, I've got a network of people, like I said before, I now have a large group of people that I can go to at any time to get their opinions on stuff, um, ask them how their states handle these things. And so just having these large networks has is, is been probably one of the most beneficial things. So that's why I've encouraged people to get involved, to get your, you know, continue to grow, get that education, because I've said this for years, and, and, and I hope I don't offend anyone when I say this, but I believe our job is sometimes the most undervalued job in the entire school district. And I don't think it's meant to be that way, but because so many school districts try and combine it with an assistant principal role, or it's a teacher and a coach trying to do the role. And it's because, you know, I get it. Some school districts can't afford to have full-time AD, but it's a full-time job if done right. Uh, my assistant AD was a assistant principal and an AD for years at our junior high. And, and when we made our new position for assistant AD, she said to me, 
She goes, I'm busier now than I was when I was an AP and an AD. And I said, yeah, I said, it's, you don't realize that as an AD, when you've got so many other jobs going on, you just do enough to get by, you know, which I've always told her that's a manager. And as an AD, I want to be a leader. And so to be a leader, you have to be able to not only manage the day-to-day -day things you got to do, you then have to inspire and challenge and lead others, you know, your coaches and directors, you know, and that's hard to do when you're barely keeping your head above water. And so that was what I told our school board here from year one is like, do you want me to be a manager or a leader? And, and, and I said, if you want me to manage, I'll make sure the games start on time. If officials are there, coaches stuff is done on our state, you know, with our state registration, all those things that have to be done to make sure our kids can play sports. But I said, that's where it'll begin and end. Cause there's so much to do there, but if you won't want me to lead and you help, I need time. I need, you know, you know, all these resources and they've, they've honored that, which I've been very blessed here to, to have that support. You know, that, that's just a great encapsulation, uh, you know, going back to where you were talking about the LTIs and committees and positions within your state, and then moving into, you know, the difference between a manager and leader. Um, outside of academics, no other program in a school touches the lives of more kids and adults than the athletic department. And so it, uh, you know, behooves a wise school administrator to make sure that athletic director has all the resources that, uh, that they need. Um, Brandon, one of the things that we pride ourselves on with the podcast is this idea of sharing best practices. And you've been in a couple of different schools, you know, you've been in AD for a few years. So I'm going to give you a chance to uh, brag a little bit. Uh, what are a couple of best practices at your school? You know, when you look at your teams, your coaches, your program, you can say with equal parts, pride and humility, boy, we do this better than anybody. What are some best practices at Nixa? I would say specifically talking about athletics, probably one of the best things we do is we have a youth sports program. And this, and this has been a, a, a long time building, but, but we started years ago and we, and you know, again, we were not innovative. Like, like we came up with our own, we, we started looking around us and, uh, school districts near us and we we were seeing certain sports how they would do things well and when we would notice why they were doing things so well it's because they started with a youth sports program and you know you, as we developed a statement that we said well, we want to do things the next away and that's not a, a thing like we're better than anyone else it's more of a philosophy that we want our kids k-12 3-12 whenever that sport starts we want to be able to indoctrinate them with this is how we do business. And some of that started with when I came to Nixa. We, we are a fast-growing school district. Um, you know, we, we're now at around 1,900 at our high school, over 1,000 at our junior high. And it's, a, it's just seventh and eighth grade at the junior high level. And this is going back to 20 years ago when we were probably 800 at the high school. So within a 20-year period, we've over doubled where we were. And so when I came here, we were mildly disjointed we you know the best analogy I could say is that we were kind of like a teenager that hadn't quite grown into their body yet a little gangly trying to figure out how our arms and legs work so we knew that we had to realign we spent years realigning the program to where our head coach at the high school is the head coach all the way down into the youth sports and 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 put people in place and sometimes had to remove people that didn't quite subscribe to that philosophy. Well, what, what that allowed us to do is build a youth sports program. So we have football, 
we have wrestling, we have uh, baseball, and they're all humongous programs. And we're adding basketball next year. And, you know, we're slowly growing and, and going into those, you know, you know, different sports. And it has been nothing but a success. You know, you know, as we're seeing those kids starting to come up through our junior high ranks now and our high school ranks, the the support that we have because we've done that, we've been able to pass bond issues because, because that we just built a, a new stadium uh, that finished up this summer uh, to allow us to see, you know, 4,000 people on our home side and another 800 on our visitor side, you know, with new track, new facility, you know, all, all these really nice facilities. And I, I believe that has to do with our youth sports program that we built the need we built the desire that parents have bought into that and they're seeing the fruits of that coming through. So I do brag on our youth sports program. I think, again, I'm not saying it's perfect, not saying that we have arrived, but it is something I think we are doing well and, 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 and tweaking daily. I mean, I, I've been on the phone most this morning working some things out with our youth baseball program and just trying to make it that much better. No, um, I agree with that 100%. We uh, have that same philosophy at our school and those head coaches, they are it's part of their job description and they embrace it and they've done a great job, you know, developing those lower level coaches and, you know, using consistent language uh, helps with our parents, you know, our parents get educated in an early year, you know, what our, uh, you know, program is all about. So really agree with that one. Um, to our listeners, we're recording this episode on March 29th. So we're just past that one year anniversary of uh, COVID and its impact on high school sports. So Brandon, um, as we are well into the 2020-2021 seasons, uh, tell us a little bit uh, about you know, how you guys started the school year and how you're managing the school year, and not just with uh, return to athletics, but also you know, return to school. You know, what's happening in your corner of Missouri? Yeah, you know, um, Southwest Missouri definitely has not been immune to the COVID virus. I, I will say when I've talked to other ADs across the states, you know, east, west coast, you know, we are, I, I've said this, you know, and, and, and we're blessed in the sense we're a little bit insulated in it and, and that our numbers have not been off the charts. We've been in a little more uh, conservative counties that haven't put uh, just an absolute ton of restrictions on us. But when it was put to me, this was before even our counties and cities put in masking ordinances and things like this. We were trying to bring our kids back in June of last summer and to try and do it safely. And part of my goal was is to, it was more centered on making parents feel comfortable because because as we saw more counties and cities as the summer went on, got back into the first part of the school year, we saw you know more of a tightening of you know, what, you know, what uh, schools could do or not do. But we, we got ahead of it. And I, I felt we were a good month ahead of where our county and city were, you know, you know, by the time we came back in June, we had lots of things in place and how we were going to bring kids back in small groups. We really focused on for the month of June, just skill training, no scrimmaging, no large team activities. We tried to keep them in very small pods in case we had a contact trace, if there were issues there that we could, you know, easily quarantine kids without causing, you know, a mass quarantine. So we, I, I felt our coaches and our parents really bought into that. We moved into July and, and, and trickled back into some of the team activities in July, especially for the fall sports, you know, you know, trying to make it as normal as possible for them, but still had a lot of regulations, you know, of course, masking and other stuff in place to help protect our kids. And I'm appreciative for the large amount of 
uh, resources that I had available to me with our athletic trainers, our medical community. We have a real strong medical community in Southwest Missouri. I have two large hospitals uh, in Springfield. And so I had a lot of resources there to reach out to, to, you know, really try and find, find out what's safe for kids and things that we could do there. Um, but uh, in the end, you know, you know, you know, we were able to, to start the year in August. We had some uh, guidance and advice from our state association as well on things that modified how we did some certain things. But in general, we were able to start and actually have sports. Now, I will tell you, it was uh, kind of held your breath when we first started um, because um, they they couldn't. Um, you know, tell us what it was going to be like, you know, you know, I had some people telling us, you know, we'll be lucky to make it through week one of football, just because there was so many unknowns about how quarantines were going to go and how each county was going to handle that if we had a case on a team and all that stuff. And so, and so thankfully, the counties gave us some pretty clear guidelines of what we could follow. And we, and we, Put those in place and structured our practices around those things and tried to limit the amount of time um, you know in terms of that, that they would be in large groups and limit the amount of time that they would be unmasked and limit the amount of time that you know they would be in locker rooms like we we would but you know we did a lot of different things and and really for the most part was able to really limit the amount of times that we had to quarantine a kid and or groups of kids and and I was blessed that I never actually had to quarantine an entire team not know how to do sections of a team at times depending on you know you know which group they were with and where we had a contact race to but uh thankfully didn't have a lot of that and then with our state association they did a lot of things to protect us during the events themselves and so we were actually able to play an entire fall and winter season um you know you know we would see teams and there were reschedules you know you know you get a team out for two weeks and so and so we'd have to reschedule so there we did have a, a fun issue towards the end of our basketball season trying to get all of our conference games in. I think we played like four games in about six days but but we got it in you know you know we got it in got it done um you know and and uh, but you know you know it's been it's been good you know you know our volleyball team got got playing the state championship this year and even though we, we were limited in seating and capacity and all that we our kids still got to do it and so we told our parents um when they went to different venues that they would get upset that they may not be able to get all their family in because we did limit how many people could come in we did ask for masking and other stuff now our county we were because of our gym size that we were able to take more in but we would go to some places and they would get two per kid you know and and so we told them i said in the end all i care about is the kid playing yes i want you to see it but i want you to uh, you know, I want your kid to play. And so, so that's a, one more thing I wanted to brag on that, that when you asked her earlier is we really beefed up our online streaming. And so we started this process eight years ago with literally a camera and a laptop. And now we've built it into a full production team. It's a class within our school. We have a, an amazing a business teacher that runs this program and it's just a side of ESPN. And I'm not even joking. You know, if you go onto our YouTube and, and citylink.tv uh, channel, watch our stuff, it is pretty high level. You know, you know, our kids broadcast, we have a kid production team, our teachers oversee it and they do such a good job. And that really helped us in this time of COVID. And so our viewership, we would have over 5,000 people stream a football game you know, and, and, and had just large numbers there. So I'm very proud of that endeavor and what our school district invested in to, to help 
our parents and our grandparents and especially ones that couldn't come to games because health risk they got to watch every single game got to watch their grandkids play or got to watch their friends kids play you know you know if they normally came to games and so always got got a very positive response about that you know, that uh, what you just mentioned, the TV production and the streaming, I mean, that's a CMAA project right there. And worst case scenario, that should be a workshop that you're presenting uh, for the Missouri Conference as well as NIAAA. So I'm going to, you know, challenge you to, to yeah. follow up on that. Great, great stuff. Um, I do want to ask, um, how were your parents and fans during the season, you know, with restrictions on uh, seating you know were they understanding did they embrace it um, any challenges with that oh yeah there's always challenges and i know you know without getting very political about it you know we we had parents kind of all, all over the board when they came to masking we asked our parents and fans to mask now i will just be honest with you uh that was a rough one to enforce you know because because their goal is not to kick people out because they're not wearing a mask. Now, what we asked is if they could social distance, then they didn't have to, but, you know, then you get into eating. If, you know, we did provide concessions at us. So sometimes, if, you know, we got parents that were smart. They always had a drink in their hand with their, you know, mask off. And so some of that stuff was fun, but most of them understood what we had. We had some online parent meetings and just explained to them, this is the only way it's going to happen for them to be able to watch. And so with the limited capacities, you know, we, we, we played in the state quarterfinal game uh, with our football team and traveled to, to a place that was more restrictive than us. And of course, parents are upset and mad because they, you know, they all want to pile in and watch this huge football game. But in the end, it's about the kids playing. And that's, that, that was our consistent message to them. This is about the kids. We are, you know, I, I kept telling them states around us are not playing and we are. We need to be thankful that we get to play. And then my response that, like I said, was to provide a streaming experience where they could still watch it. You know, you know, they could be a part of it. It's not like being at the game, but at least they got to watch it. So we got to bring three, 300 fans to a state quarterfinal football game and then the other 5,000 watched it, you know, you know, that type of thing. And so, you know, that's, that's where, you know, I think our parents understood. I'll, I'll, I'll just be honest, the event part of it would be challenging. I felt our students did a great job, you know, cause we, you know, required them to mask and social this, we put X, X's down on the bleachers for them. So they would spread apart. Now, you know, kids are like magnets. As soon as you turn around, they, they just all suck together. So they have spread out, you know, and put your mask on, but, but they would, the kids I thought did the best job of all, but I think for the most part, our, our people understood it was more the casual fan we struggled with that wanted to come and just watch sports because there was nothing else going on. And so when they would show up to our gym and we would have, you know, requirements on them that they would struggle, you know, you know, with it, because they just, they just want this to be over. And we all do, you know, you know, no one wants to have to do these things. But, you know, I keep telling people, if, if this is what's required for us to play, we're going to do it, you know, because I would rather do this than not play. No, and that was a message that we tried to reinforce with our parents as well as, you know, hey, we, we all know what uh, happened last spring, you know, let's make sure we don't do that again this year. So yeah. sounds like a, a very, very rewarding uh, year so far. Brandon, another question we've been asking our athletic director since we started this revolves around this idea of social awareness and social justice. And, and my question has been this. What are some things that we can do as athletic administrators better, uh, better for our kids, our programs, our community? You know, um, what's your take on that? Yeah, that's that's a 
very interesting question. You know, you know, we come from a very conservative community here. We we do have diversity, but but we don't have just an overflowing amount of diversity here. You know, ethnic diversity within our school district. So it is something that you know, balancing the needs of the kids and and for them to have those outlets to be able to express themselves, and then also to also um, positively patronize our community because they're the ones voting for the school bonds and you know you know the bond issues and the tax levies and all those things and so and so we've provided outlets for them within our within our teams within you know you know stuff that we do our leadership stuff that we do to provide an avenue for them to express themselves you know you know you know in that sense and not you know when we've really tried to approach it from a multi-view standpoint you know you know you know we've had students ask me like is it is it okay if i kneel for the national anthem is it okay if i do do this and so what i've done i said it i try to explain to them it's less about is it okay for you to but i said put yourself in other people's shoes too i said i said you know you know my my i felt my job was less about trying i mean managing it of course but trying to control it versus trying to provide them another point of view for it I said, you know, we have veterans that sit in the stands every day that may not understand your position, but in their perception, you might be disrespect, you know, disrespecting the flag. So I said, are there other ways that we can show, you know, you know, your support for all these social issues that are going on without maybe drawing attention, you know, you know, in a negative light? Because I, because I said, our goal is to always represent ourselves as a team, as a community, in the most positive way possible. But at the same time, and it's a very delicate balance of not taking away their First Amendment rights to do certain things. And I think you bring up a great point. Um, you know, it, it's we certainly want to be sensitive to, you know, their uh, feelings as a student, but also at the same time try to educate and let them see, you know, the the bigger picture. In that, um, you know, why are they doing this? Why do they feel this way? So, great stuff. Let's go and lighten things up a little bit. Uh, what's your favorite part of the job? What gets you excited about coming to uh, school every day at Nixa? You know, I two two things. One of one of most I, I you hope most 80s are in this boat, but I love hanging around the kids. I love socializing with them and interacting with them, seeing them before school at lunch. I mean, part of my job is it's very easy for me to get removed from the students as as my job has evolved and changed. Um, at one point, you know, you know, they were discussing about whether or not my job needed to move over to central office and be there. And that was the first thing I said, no, I said, I don't want it to be there because I want to still have that student interaction, that connection to the kids and be able to go have fun with them and, and acknowledge them for their accomplishments and make them feel like I care about, you know, I mean, truly make them feel, cause I can go to, to an event, but then to catch them the next day and say, Hey, you did an awesome job yesterday, whether that be a bank competition, a sport, sporting event or whatever. But then the next part of that is I love, absolutely love going to events. I do. And, and I won't lie and say, I don't get tired at times because I mean, we've got a lot, a lot of stuff going on. I mean, I could be out every night of the week without even trying. And, but I do love, I get excited to go to a volleyball game. I get excited to go watch our kids bowl, you know, to watch our winter guard do, do their stuff or acquire perform. You know, I, I love going to those things because for that student, that is the one thing that they get out of bed for sometimes, you know, and I always try and tell uh, parents and, and, and other people when they say, well, why do we need to build a new stadium? Or why do we need to do this for the athletic bar? Why do we need to do this for the band programs? Because 
this is why that kid comes to school. You know, you know, there's all this research out there that if kids are connected to their school, involved in their school, they do better with their grades, discipline, attitude, all these things towards school. And so I want to provide them every resource I can and make them feel supported and like what they what they do matters. So I, I enjoy going and doing that. It's it's fun for me. And and I hope that last, you know, I got about 10, 10 to 11 years left before, before I can officially retire. So I hope, you know, 10 years from now, I'm still this excited about going to events. I don't want to ever get to a point where I don't enjoy going to a baseball game or don't enjoy going to a band competition, stuff like that. And what other job, you know, do we have, can we have where we get to see, you know, victory in so many different ways, you know, from kids, teams, and coaches? No, you're absolutely right. Uh, every day is a chance for a win. Well, Brandon, this has just been great uh, getting to know you and hearing a little bit more about your school, but we're not done yet. Uh, we always like to wrap up with what we call the athletic director's toolbox. Now, we've already stated that you're an experienced AD, but right now I'm going to challenge you to send out a brand new athletic director on their very first job, but I'm only going to let you put three things in their toolbox. What three items are going to go in Brandon Clark's AD toolbox? That's that's actually a great question. Um, so I, I guess a couple of them would be more uh, not philosophical, but kind of you know you know maybe not as tangible. But first thing I can say I know that has made me successful is if you have a especially for those that have family and have kids, involve your family in your job. And what I mean by that is, 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 you know, I, 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 biggest negatives I've heard from athletic directors as a whole is when it pulls, it pulls on their marriage, when it pulls on their family, when they're, cause, cause you're very busy and you're not getting to be at home as much because you're at events and whatnot. So my family comes with me to a ton of events. They're with me a lot. So my, a lot of my family time with my kids is at the events. They hang out with me. We talk, my wife's there. We will, we'll have the, the famous concession stand dinner, all those things, but involving your family in it and, and making it a family thing is what has kept me in it as long as I have and hasn't driven me out of it. You know, in need of needing to spend more time with my wife or my family. And so, so that's something in there is just involve the people you care about in your job because, because it's something you can very easily do. So that's, that's one. The second thing for me is technology, technology, technology. Um, for me, as I've learned over the last 14 years is the more efficient I, I have gotten with technology, the better the job has become because the job seems to never stop growing. The responsibilities never stop growing. More things get added to the plate every year, and you're not necessarily given any more resources to deal with it, and, and it just keeps growing, and nothing's coming off the plate for sure. They just keep adding more and more to do it, and so for me, technology, you know, I, I use a variety of things, but I, I use a lot of like Google stuff. I use a um, we use our schools for our, all of our scheduling and stuff like that, which I know a lot of ADs use, but we live and die by that because I've made my job, the, the tool I was about to say is make your job as mobile as possible. And so everything that I do, I can do on the move. I can do from my phone. I, I can literally, if I have, if I'm not saying it's going to be easiest, but if I have to, I can do my entire job from my iPhone all day long. If I, if I ha have to, but I've done it that way on purpose because I don't spend a lot of time in this office. 
as I'm constantly going to meetings, I'm out and about, people need to get a hold of me, people need me to do stuff, look up this, fix this. So, so between an iPad and an iPhone, I can run my office anywhere. And then, you know, I've challenged my assistant AD and my assistant to do the same thing, to be, to be as mobile as possible. So we have purchased the right tools or, or, or things to be able to track whatever we need to track and, you know, you know keep track of information and be as efficient as possible while mobile. So that's that one. And then um, the third tool that I will tell you, and this, this goes back to my mentor, is you've got to absolutely build relationships and network, whether that is you build relationships with fellow ADs, um, principals in your school district, superintendents. I mean, you know, you know, I'll start there first, just that, that professional network, you've got to build it, you know, because um, that was something I didn't realize at first in this job that I needed to build better relationships with my principals at the elementary level. Well, when you're hiring in coaches and you need them to hire in certain coaches in order to fill your positions, you've got to have a great relationship with them and know your philosophy and the expectations that you'll have for that coach or director in terms of how they will, you know, you know, how they will respect that principal and the things that they need, but also then take care of, you know, the needs that we have in the athletic or activity department. And so those, those professional relationships are huge, but then, you know, to help me through my job, I've got a network of ADs that I can call on at any time that will bail me out and help me and give me information. I mean, quickly on a short, you know, short timeline. And then on the other relationship side, building relationships with your parents and students. You know, you know, I've heard this said so many ways, but you got to build a bank account with them because I am not perfect. I make mistakes. And, and, and my assistant AD will probably say I make mistakes every day, but what helps me survive those mistakes is I have a very large bank account with a large group of parents and students to where I can withdraw from that bank account every once in a while if something doesn't go quite smoothly. It's when you don't build that network, you don't build that uh, net worth of, you know, favors in there that when, when something goes wrong at the, you know, at their baby's game, you know, you got a big game and official that, you know, you know, had a soccer game the the night and we had one official shirt go up they don't care that we've done everything behind the scenes to make it work we were short and official and it looks bad on me but because i have spent the time and effort with those parents with those coaches and they know that i absolutely care about their sport and want it to go off out of hitch they cut me a lot of slack on that it's like no big deal we got one there game moved on it didn't hear a single complaint all night you know stuff like that and so taking the time to view your parents as an at you know, asset and build that bridge with them makes a big difference. You know, not just seeing you at games will do that, but actually going and talking to the parents while you're at, the, don't be afraid of the parents. What, I, what I'll say, you know, you know, go out and networking, get to know them. You know, um, I'm so glad you mentioned that. And it's one of those things that, you know, I've been doing this for a long, long time. And it's a lesson uh, that I wish I would have learned, you know, much earlier in my career, uh, instead of that catchphrase, dealing with a parent, uh, you know, partnering with a parent, uh, you know, working with them, as you said, getting to know them, creating that bank account, you know, great, great advice. Thanks so much. Brandon, if one of our listeners wanted to reach out and get a hold of you and maybe pick your brain, what's the best way that they can reach out? Probably my email is the best way, you know, since I said I'm highly mobile, uh, you can, you can uh, get a hold of my email quickly and I do, do respond to those uh, very quickly. So it's Brandon Clark at Nixa schools, N-I-X-A schools.net. 
Okay. Brandon Clark at Nix's Schools. Okay. Thanks again for being on. All the best moving forward. Um, say hello to uh, my good friend Marion for me. Will do. Okay. To our listeners, uh, thanks as always for tuning in. Remember, the Zoom recordings of these interviews are being uploaded to the FIAAA Educational AD Podcast YouTube channel. So take a look at our library. And until next time, thanks again for tuning in. Come back for another episode of the Educational AD.